Hey, Terry, this is our second Ripple Report. And just as a quick reminder, what Ripple Report means to us is um, how the podcasts are shifting people internally as to how they're relating to their own depression or someone else's that they know or what steps they're taking beyond themselves out in the world and how um, those ripples create change. And that's what we're all here to do. And today, what we're really going to be highlighting is a beautiful article published in The Mighty, which is a wonderful resource, and you can read it at themighty.com, or it was actually our last podcast, too, so you can hear it there if you'd rather hear it. But in essence, Terry kind of fine-tuned one of the questions on the suicide question list that they hit you up with every time you go to the doctor, and she tweaked it and not just said, do you have suicidal thoughts? which is a fine question to ask, but a more refined question is, and this is Terry's, do you find yourself thinking of death as a welcome relief, which opens up, you know, an entirely different level of answer. Patrick is somebody who stumbled across your article and it shifted the way that he works and it shifted how he's reaching out to the people in his community. So let's hear what Patrick has to say. Hi, I'm Patrick Doyle. I'm a clinical social worker in Massachusetts, and I've been practicing in the field for 30-plus years. I have a special interest in depression, uh, behavioral health of any kind, and also uh, the opioid epidemic, and also suicidality. Well, first, thank you for the work you do. Those are all very important things, and I'm grateful to know you're working on them. Thank you. I appreciate that. So you reached out to us uh, after reading the article, and any one of the stories that we've profiled can have an impact on somebody. You just happen to have responded to mine, but I'd be curious to know why you reached out. Other articles that I read about assessing for suicidality, they're generally not written in that first-person perspective. They're generally written by scholars, academics, doctors, people who tell you from their experience, the best way to do things. But this article was written by a human being, and all of a sudden she starts describing her own experiences with being asked about suicidality and asking others about suicidality working on the hotline. And so that was that made it totally unique, totally different. And that's an interesting point because the whole Giving Voice to Depression project was launched on the idea that by sharing authentic, not non-professional, because we're also interviewing some experts, but, you know, real, just real people telling real stories, that that's supposed to be the easiest way for someone to relate and either become educated if it's not something they also experience, and if they do, to realize they're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that potentially, if professionals read that article Unless they have a heart of stone, I don't see how they cannot be touched by that. When one starts reading that article, one is hoping to learn something about how to assess better for suicide. One is not expecting the source of this article, the teacher, is one who has struggled and that she's going to discuss it and that she's going to elaborate on it and talk about what it's like to live with depression, what it's like to have thoughts of dying or death or not being around and and sometimes thoughts of that perhaps seeming like it would be a relief. I've been to a lot of professional conferences in my time 
And I've never been to one where they had a person get up and give us that kind of perspective. I've never seen it. So in what way does having someone's personal story change or shift the way you think about the issue and or the way you will treat clients in the future, patients? It's, it brings more of an awareness of how complex that whole topic is. What was different about this was this was a person who one might not even suspect that this person was struggling with depression because on the outside, what they were showing the world would not have led one to wonder or, or ask additional questions. So it's a, it's a reminder that not everybody suffering from depression looks the same, that without further questions and more of a discussion, we may totally miss something. Do you anticipate asking that or other questions as a result of having been exposed to the story? Oh, yeah, and I already have. Hmm. I work in a crisis call center. It's useful to have that understanding because there's so, there's so little discussions or talk about suicide that we, we don't have an understanding of those, those areas of gray, I will, for lack of a better term. But those are gray areas. <laughs> Indeed they are. <laughs> yeah, you're right, in more ways than one. Yes. You might want to say to people, I'm not going to do anything, but this is a lot of pain, and I guess I'm feeling despair. And we do education about heart attacks, and people know about heart attacks. People are trained in CPR, for example, and so we, we understand that. But do we do something like that for depression? I don't think that we do, but that's the potential. That's what we could be doing. Should be doing, yes. And it's the same thing. You know, it's a potentially dangerous situation, a potentially fatal situation. And sometimes you need outside help. And it doesn't matter if it's above your eyebrows or below your eyebrows. And I think a lot of people would relate to that. And I'm going to bring your article to my next staff meeting. And I'm going to distribute it. I'm going to say, this is what I liked about it. This is what I think is good for us to know as clinicians. And, and this story is just remarkably compelling. I think we all have something to learn from this. Even if they don't end up using it in their work day, you can almost bet just by the numbers that one of them's going to have an interaction on a personal level with somebody, and maybe then they'll use it. Right, right. And above and beyond that, Patrick Doyle is going into this meeting, and Patrick Doyle's talking about suicide, and he's doing it spontaneously. It's not on the agenda. It's not a CEU discussion. He's not an expert. He's just talking about suicide. Hey, and we're listening about suicide, and maybe some of us have comments about suicide. That's what we're trying to do, start discussions. If nothing else happens but that, that's the hope. That's our. That's the mission. And that's where these self-disclosure stories are so important. Instead of being... Uh, mental illness, all of a sudden, it, it's got a name to it. It's got a person to it. And that is what changes people's reactions to it. And that's what changes how we think about it. And ultimately, it's got to result in better care systems, better access to mental health services, l decreased stigma, and for more people to feel more comfortable to ask for help. I think it's a movement that has started, and I, I don't think anything will stop it now. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. But can you imagine that when he says better care systems and, you know, access to better help and asking for help? You know, if any discussion that 
we use the word normalizes all the time, but that makes talking about depression and the way you're feeling just less dangerous or scary. Or even intellectual. Hmm. I mean, when he was talking about conference after conference, decade after decade of all of the experts, all the people that when, you know, we do pick up the phone and finally ask for help, those are the mm -hmm. people, you know, and they're paying hundreds or thousands of dollars and flying airplanes and staying in hotels to go to these conferences. Right. And they're talking about the same old model. And if, if a personalized real story can cause a ripple. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm almost, I'm almost seeing a frozen lake, you know, huh. and it's like if you throw that pebble on it in that kind of a context, it's not going to make a ripple because there's like ice over it. And in this case, a personal story doesn't cost anything. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's real. It's not intellectual jabber. It's not, you know, the three points, the eight ways. It's not mm -hmm. the jargon. The PowerPoint, right. I mean, really, we're talking about people, you know. We're talking about people. We're talking about people. People who need help, who need to be validated and heard. and Lots and lots and lots of people. Yeah. And I so appreciate you putting out, you know, a new question to sort of reframe it and, and personal it. Thanks. It's, it's all worth it when you hear that somebody is going to talk to somebody differently or, or hear someone differently or perhaps ask one more question, you know. Or talk to themselves differently. Talk, yeah, talk to themselves differently. Good Lord. Think of the yeah. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my yes, God. That. Can you imagine if, if a podcast would be so horrible and awesome at the same time? If a podcast could, like, record what we're, you know, <laughs> you're not enough, you know, you're a loser <laughs> over and over a hundred million ways. I mean, can you, I laugh now, listen. but when I'm hearing it, it's, it's not funny. It's not funny. Oh my God. I just hit my mic. It's so not funny. Oh no, no. That would be just horrific. Wouldn't it? But that's the curtain back, right? Cause even a story, you know, there's a little bit of editing in your head going on. And if we could just plunk the mic in there and kind of oh it'd be horrible go like oh my god that's how you oh, live right right oh man that would be something Woof. well i'm glad i don't have to hear because yeah. when i'm not hearing it i'm so relieved not to be hearing it that i wouldn't even want to hear it on a radio show got in my old school well, Ripple Report number two, thank you, Pat, for coming forward and letting us know that you not only learned and read the article, but that you uh, were affected by it. And we are most grateful for you sharing your story with us. And trying to share it with other professionals because, you know, change can be slow sometimes and that can be frustrating. But you have to, it's like, you know, like a picky eater <laughs> eating new food. They have to try it a couple times sometimes before they can wrap their brain around it. So the fact that he's... Um, trying to disseminate this new question. It's just great. I appreciate you, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Bridget. I appreciate you.